Good morning. I'm grateful for the opportunity to speak with you from this pulpit as one of you, as a layperson. And I want to assure everyone there will be a professional up here next week. <laughs> Let's open with prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Our scripture reading comes from the book of Leviticus, chapter 23, verses 33 through 36. Hear the word of God. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, On the fifteenth day of this seventh month, and lasting seven days, there shall be a festival of booths to the Lord. The first day shall be a holy convocation. You shall not work at your occupations. Seven days you shall present the Lord's offerings by fire. On the eighth day you shall observe a holy convocation and present the Lord's offerings by fire. It is a solemn assembly. You shall not work at your occupations. God's word for God's people. Thanks be to God. This summer, our congregation has been invited to watch a new TV series about Jesus and his disciples called The Chosen. I like The Chosen because I can relate to the people on the screen. The disciples are ordinary people facing problems not so different from what we face every day. And Jesus, he's not a stiff, formal guy with blonde hair and blue eyes and a British accent. He looks like he's from the Middle East and he's engaging, kind, and funny. We see Jesus and his followers enjoying each other, teasing each other, Simon Peter even refers to John the Baptist as Creepy John. And you can see his point, the man did eat locusts. Before we look at this week's episode, I want to give you two small warnings. First, I've always been someone who gets choked up easily. But one joy of aging is that now it happens to me more than ever. So if you see me getting choked up later in the sermon, just say, there goes Weepy John. <laughs> and second, there will be some audience participation in this sermon. This won't be like the audience participation in a Blue Man Group performance. I won't drag anyone on stage and make you eat Twinkies. And those of you sitting up front won't get sprayed with blue paint. This will be low-key audience participation suitable for Presbyterians. In this, week, in this week's episode of The Chosen, Jesus and his followers are seated around a table inside a structure they've just built. They are observing a festival that was important, an important part of the Jewish calendar. 
This event was first described in the book of Exodus as a one-day gathering, a celebration of the harvest. In later times, it expanded to one week and was named the Festival of Booths. The Hebrew word for booth is sukkah, which is a temporary shelter that a farmer would live in during harvesting. When I think of a booth, I picture something small, like those photo booths that you get in and it takes some pictures and then it spits them out in a long strip. Or I picture a phone booth, which is even smaller. Now, can I see a show of hands? How many of you have ever been in a phone booth? Okay, not, not many young people raise their hands. <laughs> now, listen carefully, now raise your hand if you've been in a phone booth in this century. Probably not. Where did they all go? Where is Clark Kent supposed to go to change into Superman? Anyway, when I hear Festival of Booths, I picture something small. But the booth shown in this week's episode of The Chosen, there's a table in it and a dozen people. This, this booth is big, and that surprised me. However, the design of their booth did fit with what I've always pictured. It's simple. It's basically a roof held up by wooden posts. It's open on four sides. The roof is made up of vegetation, of tree branches. So Jesus and his followers are basically eating outdoors. As they eat, Matthew raises a concern about their structure. He says, this thatched roof won't keep the rain out. Others at the table tell Matthew that this is not a design flaw. It's intentional. This was meant to be a shelter for people on the move. Being a temporary shelter, it was somewhat fragile. If it rained, the occupants got wet. It's a reminder of how vulnerable their ancestors were when they traveled in the wilderness after escaping enslavement in Egypt. It is a reminder of how God provided for their ancestors, how God saw them through the wilderness. By the time of Jesus, the festival of booths had become a major event. Jews made the pilgrimage to Jerusalem every fall, and they came in large numbers. During this week-long festival, they all lived in these simple booths, rich and poor alike. Everyone was essentially sleeping outdoors for a week. I'd like us to try something together to help us relate to the Jewish experience in the wilderness as they slept in these fragile shelters, and to help us get a taste of what it felt like to dwell in a booth during the Festival of Booths. I'd like you to close your eyes, if you're comfortable with that. Close your eyes and picture a roof a few feet above your head, a roof made of branches. Through the branches, you can see patches of blue sky. You see clouds drifting slowly. 
and rays of sunlight streaming in. There are no walls around you, so you hear birds calling to each other. You feel a breeze. You hear your booth creaking as it sways back and forth in the breeze. And try saying to yourself, God will provide. God will provide. Please open your eyes again. God provided in the wilderness. And God provides today. I'd like to wrap up by looking at a particular gift that God provides us a gift that ties in with the festival of booths, the gift of trees. This gift goes beyond the obvious benefits of trees. This gift is more than lumber, deeper than shade on a hot summer day, and sweeter than maple syrup. I want us to look at the community of trees, the forest, and what it might teach us about our life together. A book came out seven years ago that I think is groundbreaking. It's called The Hidden Life of Trees. It was written by a man who managed old growth forests for decades. The basic tenet is that a forest is much more than a bunch of trees. It's a community. The author describes how trees in a forest communicate with each other. Some of it takes place by chemical and electrical signals sent through interwoven roots connecting the trees to one another. And some of this communication takes place with the help of an enormous organism that resides in the soil beneath the forest, a, gi a gigantic fungus which has countless tiny filaments that carry signals through the forest. A teaspoon of forest soil contains miles of these filaments. They serve the same purpose as our networks of fiber optic cables, except that the transmission is much slower, about one-third of an inch per second. So this network would not support binge-watching. Scientists have a name for this communication system, the Wood Wide Web. Corny, but it gets the idea across. I think this information is interesting, but what's more fascinating is how trees in a forest support each other, care for each other. When a tree in a forest gets sick, a healthy tree nearby will pump nourishment to it through the interconnected root systems. Years later, those roles might be reversed. The helper tree might get sick and receive nourishment from the tree it had saved. And here's another way trees care for each other. Old established trees nurture young trees. 
Ironically, the older trees help the younger trees by creating conditions that foster extremely slow growth in the young trees. In ancient forest, a young beech tree that's only as tall as a person can be a hundred years old. But this youngster is extremely strong. It's flexible enough to withstand any storm and it has phenomenal resistance to disease. Another finding is that trees in a forest have better survival rates than solitary trees. When a storm appears, a tree in a forest is much more likely to ride out the storm than a solitary tree. A forest tree lives much longer than a solitary one. A lifespan of hundreds of years is common in old growth forests. Compared to them, those of us with gray hair are teenagers. When I learned all this, it struck me that a forest is like a congregation, like this congregation. A congregation has deep roots. We have adult members who sat in this pews when they were children. They may not have sat still, but they sat. And like a forest, a congregation is intertwined. If one member is hurting, others reach out. Just as young trees are nourished and supported by older trees in a forest, our youth can find support from older members. And each of us is better equipped to face the storms of life when we are part of a community that cares for one another. I've heard many pastors testify from this pulpit that our faith is best lived out in community. Just as a tree thrives in a forest, each one of us thrives in community. Each of us is better together than apart. We are approaching autumn, the time of the Festival of Booths, a time of renewing, of gathering. Here at Selwyn, fall is a time of excitement and new beginnings. August 28th is Education Sunday. We'll have an education fair in the Fellowship Hall where you'll hear innovative plans for fall Sunday school. And September 11 is Rally Day, which is always a festival. In coming weeks, I encourage you to reach out to church friends you miss, to anyone who might enjoy this special place. Offer words of welcome, of invitation, of excitement about what's ahead. And come back here with friends and family in your wake to be part of this community of caring, to be part of the spirit of Selwyn. Amen. Thank you, John, for your words of wisdom this morning. And I just want to add one thing that he uses that term professional loosely. 
But I hope that everyone will speak to John on the way out and maybe learn a little bit more about the wood wide web. So thank you again, John. Thank you for your words. Friends, let us now prepare our hearts as we go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious God, the one who knows us, the one who loves us unconditionally, you have called us to follow the righteous path, the path that you showed your disciples and the path that they showed the world. Your gentle and merciful nature is what we are to emulate. Forgive us, Lord, for we have failed in that call. Instead, we have chosen a path that leads us away from love, care, and compassion to our fellow persons. We find it easier to blame than to try to understand how those we judge and how they have come into their predicament. Remind us, Lord, that their plight could have easily become ours. We are all your children, but some of us have never known the suffering of those on the margins of society. Give us the strength, Lord, to look forward with caring and compassion as we work as a community of faith for the betterment of your people everywhere. Lord, we bring before you today our prayers for the world. We see and hear about senseless wars, leaders around the world, among us who seek power by the most, most ruthless of means. And then there is the famine and the drought that we read about daily. We pray for all those who are affected by the hurtful actions of others, and we seek your comfort for those in that path. There are those in our families, friends, and friends of friends, those in our faith community who need our prayers this day. Lord, we ask that your peace and comfort will be felt by those we love, those we hold close, and those in our faith family. By your grace and love, Lord, you have woven us together as one people of Christ, driven to overcome the divisions that divide us. Grant us a portion of your wisdom of compromise and interdependence on one another. And now, Lord God, make our lives together anew so that we will serve you and your people faithfully. Now, Lord, awaken the spirit within us so we can truly listen to the words of the prayer your son taught his disciples as we say as one, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, let us bring to God our offerings with thanksgiving that God provides more than enough for all of us. Let us give as each is able.
for the benefit of Christ's church and of God's world. It is now time for a morning offering. Let us pray together. God of your generous spirit, may you accept these our gifts of time, talents, and resources. May they further your work in reconciliation here on earth, bringing light into those places overwhelmed by darkness. Bless the work of our hands that your righteousness may shine on the world to see. Amen. Our closing hymn is hymn number 305. Come sing, O church, enjoy.
go out from this sanctuary not as individuals, but as members of a Christian community, trusting in God and welcoming all to join with us. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Thank you.